Everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am Keith Pazel. And I am Adam Croce. There you go. We nailed it this time. By the way, I have a question for you. What? You send me these, you know, things on Twitter. Hey, I've posted this. What is the name of our show exactly? This is Keith Pazel's podcast. Good. This is Keith Pazel's podcast. And I'm a guest. I'm, I'm the weekly guest. No, you're guest. the co-host. It says with Adam Croce. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's my podcast with you. Absolutely, it is. I was I was thinking about adding with Keith and Adam. This is Keith Pazel's podcast with Keith and Adam. That might yeah yeah. Because at yeah. the end of the only reason I named it that is because whenever I try and get people on it, they're like, "Well, what's it about?" And I'm just like, "It's it's my podcast." It's just yeah, it's how you. It's whatever I want it to be. Do whatever the fuck I want. It. But there needs Gladiator. to be a, we, we got a theme we, we do We like to channel surf a little bit Lock a new movie Which by the way Popeye I was thinking about that What a bizarre movie Popeye was It's really bad you, We should have been on acid Yeah it, it's really a uh, Like the choices they made it, it, it was it was bad in the way Only a good director Can make a bad movie If that makes sense Like there was kind of a vision in there That they were oh, trying yeah. to execute But just off just that that was it was a critical i mean it was panned by the critics and it didn't make shit it was a bomb no that was the reason why altman got run out of uh, i also LA feel while, like i think <clears throat> i feel like it was him being like let's make a live action cartoon yeah which is like it was almost like he like for for how not experimental it looked it was probably a weirdly experimental movie oh absolutely oh absolutely it was oh no and they tried being a. Uh, but they did it with a physical sort of, you know, and that's why Williams was the lead because he was a cartoon character early in his career, basically. You know, the stories you hear about him when he went up at the laugh at, or not, at the uh, at the comedy store. Oh, he'd be like geek to the gills. I mean, literally, it would be like climbing off the walls and crap. Like the people had never seen anyone like this before. It was like, who is this? What's this force of nature? Well, even when I we watched his bi- his biography on HBO, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And when you see his the totality of what he did on stage, he almost wasn't a stand up comic. He just kind of like was like a one man improviser. Yeah. 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 Like it was more like a really good improv team than like he never really went up and was just like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, it, yeah. it's very untraditional. Stand up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's my here's my series of three, you know, and that's what made him unique. Also, as we all know, the everyone loved Robin Williams. Of course, I was not a huge fan of his, to be honest. They found him. I don't know. It just didn't hit me. Like it hit a lot of other people. I, I didn't find his comedy. I mean, he was good. I like his movies. Was talent. Yeah. I was a big Mrs. Doubtfire fan. You know, I heard it's a good movie. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's just him being an old lady. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a tremendous talent. I'm it's not going to deny that. Have you ever seen Tootsie? Uh, of course. Tootsie, I saw. I'm walking Dustin. out of Rowdy. <laughs> Jessica Lange. I think Jessica Lange didn't do a movie from King Kong until that movie, which was five years later. Really? Because King Kong Tootsie's was- Tootsie's that old? Tootsie was 1982, and I think King Kong was 76 or 77. I want to know that. Can you check that out to see Jessica Lange? If, I, if that that could be a total lie, but I think that she was so panned in in, in King Kong, and she's terrible in it. She's terrible. Well, her role is kind of like a dumb bitch. Uh, isn't yeah, she, it? she's a dumb blonde. That's all she is. I mean, she and she's. I mean, the, the camera likes her. She is a pretty woman. Like you know what I mean? That seventies, like holy shit, you were walking natural. down the street. You know? Yeah. W- yeah. What did uh, w- what did she do from King Kong? I think I want to say that. 
Tootsie was the next movie she did, but I could be wrong. She probably did a couple Let's movies in see. between there. They're like independent films. And what year did King Kong? 1976 was, was King, King Kong. Kong. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> Isn't Jeff Bridges in King Kong? Absolutely he is, man. It, it, that that version of King Kong to me is like, it, it's like solidified in my brain of like early cinema experience. They, they offered it to Spielberg, but he, he passed, you know? So it, it is, I think it's great. <laughs> okay, I love it. Here we go. You know? I'm looking. This movie, I didn't know this was like I remember when this came out, and I didn't know it was like that big of a deal. I was dumb like that as a kid. What do you mean with, with <clears throat> like I remember Gladiator? seeing Gladiator? Yeah, and then when I watched the Academy Awards and saw that it was nominated, I was kind of just like, it didn't make sense to you. Like I I liked it, but as I when I was watching it, it didn't come off like oh I'm watching this epic. It was yeah. just like a movie. Yeah, interesting. Like yeah. I didn't compute of like what's so fucking great about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, this is Crow when his ego was like just completely, exp- <laughs> just gigantic. My opinion with all this and even like Shakespeare and love and stuff like that, you're giving the award to the setting. Yeah, or, or, or the set or the, it's the, just the, the, the scope the, of it the movie all. actually looks like it's ancient Rome. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with the quality of anything in it. It's just like, oh, they paid a lot. Look how cool that looks, man. Yeah, it, it uh, well, they definitely knew that Russell Crowe appealed to a lot. A lot of women liked Russell Crowe because he was rugged. He was masculine and rugged. <laughs> That's what they liked about him, you know. Anyway, he takes care of business in this. Yeah, so we're watching. Uh, we're looking at his uh, film of oh, photography. She's a photographer, too. In, in uh, who? Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange. Yeah. It's funny because you'd think it'd be, she's like a legend now. Oh, absolutely. I think she might have a separate... She might be one of those actresses that has a separate page for her filmography. Well, possibly. I mean, I know that she... uh, Let's see. My best friend from college is writing a book on Sam Shepard right now. You know, Sam Shepard was an actor, playwright from out here. And uh, you you might know him from... uh, He was the general in uh, Black Hawk Down, you know? He was also in The Right Stuff, you know? So he's... My best friend from college is writing a biography on Sam Shepard. Well, Sam Shepard was a common law husband of Jessica Lange. So he's actually been able to interview Jessica Lange because she's acting in a lot of Eugene O'Neill plays right now. Like, oh, this is my contribution to You'll the craft. Love this. <clears throat> you know? so, the, so the Wikipedia page, yeah. it says list of, list of Jessica Lange performances. Yeah. It's yeah. not just a filmography because she's a theater yeah absolutely i i i asked my buddy he got to talk to her for like an hour you know i mean to interview her for this book so it went king kong yeah all that jazz in 1979 oh all that jazz with bob fossey interesting she was in that how to beat the high cost of living in 1980 yeah the postman always rings twice oh that was 81 yeah and then Tootsie. And then Tootsie. Oh, so she said, Postman Always Rings Twice had a bit of a release, but all that jazz was definitely a wide theatrical release. It was the uh, basically the biopic for Bob Fosse. Yeah, it was, a, it was a one of those egotistical things where Bob Fosse made a movie about himself. 
<laughs> Do you realize and they directed how preposterous it. your ego? Although he directed a, a cabaret as his high watermark. He also directed Star 80. You ever heard of Star 80? No. It was the story of Dorothy Stratton, who was a Playboy centerfold, who got murdered by her basically her pimp boyfriend. I know the name Dorothy Stratton. Yeah, absolutely. And it was Dorothy it was, Stratton. She was 20 years old, and she she basically discovered when she was a teenager by this guy, Paul Schrader, who was a uh, basically a street pimp in Vancouver. And he came down to L.A. with her and, and wanted to break into show business because she was wanted naturally to break into that ass well, too, probably. Well, he married her and he forced himself on her. She was really naive and trusting. And she was young. She was 20 years old. And she got brought down here and got discovered at the Playboy Mansion and like was at, like literally going to be fast tracked to some degree of like, you know, acting fame. And she uh, had an affair with Peter Bogdanovich, who directed The Last Picture Show and Paper oh, yeah. Moon. And didn't he direct the movie that fucking uh, Roger Ebert wrote? Oh, oh no. <laughs> that's Beyond the Valley Beyond of the Dolls. Beyond the Valley that, of that, the Dolls. That's actually Russ Meyer, who's one of my favorite filmmakers because he's such a goofball. But Is anyway, that movie good? Uh, no, it's completely like late six. There was that weird phase of, of the late 60s, the very late 60s, where everything was really campy. Like camp was really huge, and and it is an extremely campy movie. I is it like a spoof it. movie? It's it, I can only describe it as being campy. It's like intentionally goofy and kind of silly and light, but it's also weird. It's just got a weird feeling going on in it. So, but anyway, uh, look how young Crow was. But, but yeah, but my my buddy interviewed Let's Jessica. Get a little Lai. piece of this. I know. I've never seen before. Look at me. <laughs> Is it me Sounds or like my ego? He's doing the lip quivering. I've never seen that before. <laughs> it's, this is Oliver Reed. But not. Fetch me my anal bead. Oh, God. <laughs> but enough men have died. Come bathe with me. Th th that's. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate that. I, don't, I appreciate that. But this uh, uh, Oliver Reed. I mean, he was he was in The Brood, which was a Cronenberg movie. Oh, I love So that's the drunk guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. And you can tell. You get that gray hair. That He just looks like an old drunk. I mean, the liver has been worn out. He died filming this. And I guess the urban myth is, and check this out. I could be lying, too, like I was about Jessica Lange, I guess. I could be saying things that Come don't boy, total I'm nonsense. sweating gin. What, what, <laughs> what happened with him, I guess, is uh, while they were filming this, uh, he went to a bar like near the set where they were filming it and got totally shit faced. What's that guy's name? Oliver Reed. He was in a horror movie called Burnt Offerings in the 70s. He's a good actor. Like, he had a very good voice and stuff. I mean, he was a solid actor, but he, I mean, he pickled his liver. Yeah. He destroyed his liver. Had a good run with 38 to 99. Yeah, yeah, that, well, yeah. That, that that's what is it? You're 64. You, the you, Adventures you, of Baron Munchausen. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in that. Have you ever seen that? That, that Terry Gilliam movie? No, you know? I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah, I mean, well, it's uh, you know he did uh, Holy Grail. So I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and then I've seen the one he did. The, time Bandits. You he ever did, do time? No, see? but I've seen, I've heard it's great. Um, he also did Heath Ledger's last movie. Yes, Time Bandits. I saw in the theater. Time Bandits was an was a weird movie uh, but but a different vision like definitely had a, a vision to it you know uh, and he came from an animation background it, it, it's interesting you'd i mean it'd be dated if you saw it but it's entertaining you know it's kind of a time travel kind of a history thing it's it's got spoofing and all i mean it's 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 multi-dimensional you know it's good but anyway oliver reed uh so do you want his filmography here, here here's how he died as i understand here's how he died filming gladiator last movie 
He goes to a bar near the set and gets completely shit-faced, completely shit-housed, and I guess challenges people to arm wrestling contests as a 64-year-old man. And I mean, I think he had done like 20 shots. I mean, he had really, really tied it on. And uh, and then he was arm wrestling someone, and it was over. And, and he was going to arm wrestle the next guy. He's like, please stop. And I guess he just put his head against the wall, had a stroke, and died. That's all it was. He just, like, died. Oh, my know? God. That's so great. I mean, I, he just, and he, was like, he just literally made a statement, like, please okay. take a rest. And, so this know. is a two-minute read. So do you, um, we'll go through this whole thing. <clears throat> Absolutely. Oliver Reed's last drink in Malta. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Uh, the pub is over the weekend. I promised to take my wife to whatever the fuck. Um, the <laughs> That's pub. what he said. It's called the pub. It's literally just called the pub. Yeah. It's been run by the Sermona family over two decades and is infamous for being the spot in which the actor Halvery died in 1999 after a heavy drinking session during the making of the movie Gladiator. On his last night, Alvary downed over eight pints of lager, 12 double rums, and a half bottle of whiskey, won an arm wrestling contest against members of the British Royal Navy crew, HMS Cumberland, and insisted on paying for the entire round. Heavily intoxicated, he collapsed before an entire ambulance, or he collapsed before an ambulance could get to him, uh, and he passed away. Yeah. From that day, the pub has been an unofficial shrine for Reed and is a place where fans and film buffs and curious drinkers can converge to pay their respects. I know someone who's been, I, I could go there. I know someone who's been to Malta. Yeah, I, I, so I got I got the gist of it. I got the gist of it, right? I mean, my, my ending was off. I was like 80% the truth there, which is probably how I live my life. He looked but, like he's one of those guys that drank so much that every he looked like a different human in every oh, fucking yeah, era. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was. I think he was actually kind of a deemed kind of a handsome, you know, strong British actor in the seventies. You know, everyone else had left England at that time because the taxes were so high. But his nickname was Mister England in the seventies. He's like, I can't leave this country. My nickname is right. Mister England. You know, it's like because he, he, I guess, represented like a certain type of like British rogue that everyone kind of aspired to be. Like, he's a total drunk mr usa has no ring to it yeah exactly mr yeah mr england he was <laughs> he was he was in a, a horror movie it's a totally good horror movie from the mid-70s called burnt offerings with karen black karen black had a good horror movie career in the 70s she died recently right yeah she died maybe two or three years ago i remember people were very heartbroken well she was, was like a hipster loss yeah absolutely i mean because she was she was in like you know major hollywood movies too she was in airport 75 she was a flight attendant who was having an affair with i mean she's was one always of those, having an affair in the 70s she's <laughs> one of those like looking back on it people that i get but it kind of annoys when hipsters want to like have cred so they're like you know, she was my first crush. Yeah, right. We're like, shut the fuck no, it up. No, wasn't. No, it and wasn't. she wasn't that hot. So yeah, you, calm you, down. You, you grew up in, you know, with like, you know, Scarlett Johansson as a, as a teenager. I know what your first crush if you're, was. If you're you know? in your 30s and your first crush wasn't an Olsen twin, get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> Is that a hipster credibility thing too? If you say no, that, oh, that's probably not. That's yeah, probably something not cool because they're all corporate, man. Like they turned into <laughs> skanky cokeheads. So what? The weird way your generation tries to earn credibility, it's interesting to me, man. Because, But it, it makes sense. It makes sense. There's a logic I don't want. You know, just totally look down on it. 
But no, with uh, we were talking about with Oliver Reed, burnt offerings. Karen Black, she was also in uh, The Great Gatsby. She was like the floozy who was having an affair with Bruce Dern. She had a range. I didn't trilogy realize that was terror. His big. Yeah, trilogy of terror. Trilogy of terror, which is actually trilogy of terror is actually I think a decent enough horror movie, you know. But burnt offerings. Uh, the bad guy was a guy in a hearse. He was a, he was like a he was like a funeral guy of the hearse. You know, like a real ham-headed thing of, you're going to be afraid of your death. It was just, they were hitting the death fear a lot in that one. Like he's a guy pushing around like a, like, well, that's like a casket. The that's you know? the doll that comes to well, that's, life. That's right? trilogy of terror, not burnt offerings. Okay. I was going into burnt offerings. So, uh, but Oliver Reed was in that. He was in The Brood. Uh, David Cronenberg, one of his early works. Cronenberg's The I Love the Fly. Yes. And then he also did uh of drone video drone he did do video drone which is a bizarre video drone is weird isn't there like a porn star in that oh debbie harry's in that debbie harry's in it and james woods is the leading man which is hilarious james wood like okay you're good enough to carry a movie famous dong and famous rapist james woods well, he was, I think, engaged or maybe even married to Sean Young. That must have been a weird, volatile relationship, you know? She that's She's probably just like, I loved his hog. And, you know, but also just like this career thing being thrown in there. Yeah, we'll be a team. <laughs> we'll do things together because we're James both good Woods, actors. James and- Woods also annoyed me because he wore sunglasses and wasn't blind. <laughs> he always had dark glasses. And I feel like he was a fake-ass Roy Scheider. You know, it's funny you mention that. I think he was probably in the, I, I bet early in his career, it's like, oh, you're kind of like a, a more rugged Roy Scheider. You're probably you know, hated hey, that, you know, <laughs> but he was, uh, um, but I think of him fucking, I mean, he always played the scumbag. He always plays good scumbags. So in Videodrome, in Videodrome, he is a low grade, like porn mogul. He like sells porn. That's sort of his thing. And he, I think he's based in Pittsburgh and he's able to get into like a secret TV station in Toronto that's putting out this like sadomasochistic stuff. Cronenberg always has, uh, there's a sexuality in Cronenberg that's always a little bit, you know, risque, you know, and kind of violent, you know? Yeah, he had, if the fly had a lot of sweaty sex scenes. We're like, oh, apps, Gina Davis and Jeff like, Goldman were getting it on. Not yeah. even like getting it on where like you're in his apartment and you're like, it smells like you like that apartment seems dank. Oh, like, absolutely. It seems like you would just get a coating the second you walked into his little fucking loft lab. That, that I'm telling you. He's thrown up on fucking Twinkies and shit. In the mid-80s. That's a great movie. In the mid-80s. Oh, absolutely. Fly's a totally good remake. That was Cronenberg when he truly, that was a breakthrough um, uh, movie for him. Because he had been directing for 10 years before that. Dead Zone was also a movie before that that was pretty good. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the fly is good. But if you were in the mid eighties and and you were in a loft, it was like, you were fucking, you were cool. Like you were edgy. You could do your own. You were an artist still maybe, you know, lofts still have kind of a like, Oh, all right. Yeah. Your ceilings don't, your walls don't touch the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely an atmosphere that goes on there. Oh, I always forget. That's one thing I forget almost daily is that joke when Phoenix is in this movie. Is in Gladiator. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hardcore showing the fucking cleft palate, yeah. too. He tries to hide that now. He hates it. Yeah. He'll fucking punch you in your face if you even talk about it in an well, interview. It, it's so interesting. You talk about like... being a vegan or nothing. <laughs> like, 
the vanity, you know what I mean? Of like, I know I have a scarred face, but I'll be a tremendous actor. And he's, and yeah. that, I'm sure that's like motivated him to make him as good as he is because he man, is good. You won. People don't call it a hair lip anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in the 70s, they called it a hair lip. Exactly. It's a very on point description of what it is to be quite honest with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cleft palate sounds like the SAT version. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is a palate? Well, it sounds what you do when you're cleansing yourself, when you're eating like a seven-course meal. Like, you have to cleanse your palate. You're cleansing your palate. You know, you have to take a time in between each meal. You have to sort of... A cleft palate. Hair lip is so much more specific. (laughs) That's hilarious. I, I tell you what, the stories have been flowing today. It feels good, you know? Yeah. It's a good time, you know. But no, we're talking, talking about Popeye. Let's bring back to Popeye and just that idea. We watched it last week. And just, I mean, that whole, uh, yeah, trying to do a live action thing with with a, with a cartoon. Well, now they just Bizar- motion capture it. Like yeah. you said, they, it would be, you could do that now. Yeah, yeah. But but then they were trying to do it with, I'm sure there was like a trapeze. I bet there were, like, there were like trapeze extras in that. You know what I mean? Like for background scenes and like. But yet also had like actors in it, like trained actors who were good actors. Again, it was a failure and the only way a good director can make a failure, you know. This is one of those movies where it seems like every character is on the verge of fucking one another. Well, that that's obviously the tension of this is that, oh, is that there's, there's an incestuous thing here. Oh, mother. Because they're brother and sister and it's got that weird Roman sort of. But I wish you were mother. Which, and she's like, she does a good job. You know, this, this actor is good. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen another thing. She's like solid in this. I think Gladiator is solid. Decent movie. It's I liked decent. it. It's definitely a big movie, you know? That's good. They can pull it off. There's still a Ooh, need for the Man epic. on Fire. Have you ever seen Man on Fire with Denzel? You know, I only seen bits and pieces of Dude, it. Dude, he's like a maniac babysitter. You know what I was watching before I came over here was Us, which I'd seen when I first moved here. Oh, yeah. I forgot Dakota Fanning is the little girl. <laughs> he's on fire to chase Dakota Fanning. Man on Fire. He's a man. But you know something else, people, just to give you a preview, because uh, to stick around for this, uh, we are, uh, we're going to actually go through the uh, 30 Bears quarterbacks. Let me Is see that if right? they've added a new one. It's They're not even done yet. It's because there's no sports. They're profiling Chicago Tribune Sports is profiling every single quarterback <laughs> that the Bears have ever had. You're just you're just throwing like we'll give him this to talk about. It's talk about backups. Bobby Wade. It's even backups. Course, oh, it's got to be backups. Dude, for from, from what I read, Bobby Wade was a real snazzy player. <laughs> there was Bill, uh, Bobby Douglas was a horrific quarterback. Horrific <laughs> quarterback. He and he was so bad. I had to do, I had to do uh, some business with him uh, when I was working for the city. Do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's go into that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to preview, but you know what the hell? Yeah, let's. Well, we can do it. We, yeah. Let, no, no, no. What else let, do you want to keep? Do you want to channel surf while we do this? Well, I think you're kind of doing it right now. Well, I know? don't want to have to do two things. Do you want to channel surf while we do this, or do you want to find something, put it on, then do the quarterback? Do, thing? do we have? Yeah. How about this? How about this? Find something, put it on, then go into the quarterback because okay. then we That's can top good. into the movie. That's good. If we need to, it'll be yeah. yeah. So we're going to make a choice. Then. I like the way you think. You know, I, I uh, well, you you influenced me, but that's a good thing. It made sense. Uh, <laughs> but pull up the uh, pull up the uh, yeah. We'll go. Exactly. We'll go guide. full guide. The we'll guide. go full guide. Yeah, go full guide. Young exactly. Denzel. He was his career was on fire. This was the fucking John Q era when he was the villain, not the villain. Wait, yeah, what a career! I remember him on Saint Elsewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, that? that ended up being the dream of an autistic kid. 
<laughs> That's like how that show ended. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a bizarre He was choice. shaking the globe, and their world started shaking, and then it pans out, and the kid's shaking the little... Yeah, a little I remember, snow globe, and he's like, he's been staring at that thing for eleven seasons now. That that had the same feeling effect on me as Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues was a breakthrough television show. It was a breakthrough in the history of television. Television became a more mature uh, medium. Oh, here we go. Trading places ooh, into Ghostbusters. Ooh, yeah, yeah, let's. I think the choice might be made. Let's just do a little. Well, yeah, we'll put on Trading Places yeah. and then. Yep. <laughs> And then do this. You know what's wild? They That's hear, the guy from Rares of a Lost Ark. Here's He's how a, deep yeah. sports have gotten. It's all eSports. So there's like NFL players playing Madden. And like ESPN is covering it. Just showing out, the games. Put on games from 1973. Why not they, do that? I don't think they have. They must have the rights. The NFL owns so. everything. <clears throat> they it, they it own just be, everything. They own Monday Night Football. No, no, they, they they own other things beyond. I mean, they they are very. I mean, and they, then like they whatever on top NFL, of their copyright because I think the NFL Network has all the NFL film stuff. Well, it's also to parse that out for people, man. Let's watch. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to watch a game from 1974 just to watch it? We have the Negotiator. It's into, so different. Uh, One thing the NFL Network did that was totally cool when the pandemic first started: they showed a couple of Super Bowls, like Super Bowl 10 in its entirety, Super Bowl 11, which I had never seen. Uh, Super Bowl seven in its entirety. So these old games, it, the game has dramatically changed. I mean, they're good teams. You can tell they're good. Their defenses are good. And there's definitely some good athletes out there. But boy, the offenses are far more sophisticated now. It's not even, it's night oh, and day. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, they were doing so many like little trap trap plays where, you know, you have pulling guards come out and like stuff that just, that just does not happen now. You know, it just does not happen. You know, quarterbacks are throwing it like 20 times a game. I think trading places into Ghostbusters is the most. I, I, you know, that choice has been made. That's why I've moved on talking about the NFL network. And I watched Super Bowl Eleven, which was the last Viking Super Bowl where they got just absolutely dominated by the Raiders. That's I mean, the Willie Brown. Dominated right by the Raiders. Willie Brown. Exactly. exactly. Watch the first half. It's one I'm of like, the most famous. He's running with the interception, and yep. you see his like face bouncing. Exactly. You can and see the, the logo ripping off his helmet, dude. Exactly. That's like one of the most classic NFL. You're gonna hear that when you when you see that, or it was also it was the last scene for the Monday Night Football uh, uh, montage of the, of the late seventies. Was that my brother wept during that? He cried during that. During that, yes, because that, that was the true like the nail was in the coffin. I mean. It was obvious the Vikings were going to lose but the game. But he was a Chiefs fan, though. Well, he also liked the Vikings a little bit also because we lived in Minneapolis for a while. He was young. He was 11 years old. So yeah. I remember he was- Are you older? No, he's older than me. Okay. He's older than me. I, I was that. That's the very first Super Bowl that I have like extremely faint memories of. Super Bowl twelve, I remember distinctly, which was the Cowboys and the Broncos. That's the first one. I, it was in the uh, Superdome. Oh, that one's terrible. You know, the, the Cowboys one, were just, dom- just dominant. Pound that, that, that for was pound, Ditka. that was Dick. One was our assistant coach. On yeah, that yeah, as was Reeves. and pound for pound, one of the worst Super Bowls. Yeah, ever. Charlie Morton was the quarterback of Craig, the, Craig Morton. Craig, Craig Morton, Morton, yes, and that was the storyline going up into the game because he was a quarterback for the Cowboys when they did they did they rotated quarterbacks every other series with Roger Staubach and Craig Morton years earlier. And then Morton became the quarterback of the Broncos, led them to the Super Bowl. So that was this that was kind of the storyline going into the game was oh my God, it's Craig Morton coming back, but uh, domination. 
Uh, the, the Broncos turned it over eight times. You know, they turned they had 180, they had 138 yards of total offense. Still well, not they the, were all defense. Still not the lowest. Still not the lowest in Super Bowl history for total yards for a team. Uh, that that's a crown the Minnesota Vikings have from Super Bowl nine, where they had 119 yards of total offense. That's how bad the Vikings would get dominated in the Super Bowls. I watched the first half of that Super Bowl eleven. Okay, listen. Okay, listen. I'm mean, you listen. Pay oh, attention. I got you. I'm I'm listening I mean, to you as I watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> I need your undivided attention. And, and it is, there's only one play you cheered for in the first half. It was so obvious that the, the Raiders were, it was like me fighting my older brother. It just was not going to, I'm not going to well, win. Well, that was like know? Madden's coronation, wasn't it? Well, absolutely. That because, was like his... well, It was also, it was like 10 years of the Raiders were always the best team that, that couldn't win the big game. That was the stigma that they had had, and they finally broke through the stigma because they beat the Steelers, who were great in the playoffs. They also faced the Steelers without Rocky Blyer and without Franco Harris and got handled. I mean, if you talk to any old Steeler guy, they all say that game pissed them off a lot because the Steelers still felt they were better than the Raiders. Do you think? You know, but the Raiders won that, and then they just dominated the Vikings. That's so, when the NFC sucked. So you, the NFC stunk. I was just gonna say, do you think whoever <clears throat> whoever wins the AFC was gonna win the Super Bowl? Like the Vikings. Vikings had no chance no against chance. anybody. No chance. Unless the Steelers or the Raiders got upset. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, and, and they, or they played the Broncos as opposed to the Broncos had never been to the playoffs until that season, and then went to the Super Bowl. So, and I'm I like the Broncos. Do you then. know what I was reading a lot about that reminded me of you? Because I was reading up about a lot of bare quarterbacks and yeah. uh, a court that gets into a lot of Trubisky stuff because that's the yeah, current of debate. And I didn't realize the current parallel the Bears are in. To a little more so because they're a little less so because their defense is better. But I didn't realize the Jets had to live down not drafting Dan Marino for so many years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They because they they were they it, took Ken O'Brien. The article was what I posted on Facebook. Basically, the guy was saying that like, look, Mitch isn't good, but like we need to stop throwing him under the bus type of thing. And he said, and he and then he paralleled the Jets. He goes, and then he was like. Oh, because he was com- they're trying to compare him to uh, Darnold. He was trying to go stat for stat with Sam yeah, Darnold. Yeah. And he was like, we're also talking about a team that drafted Ken O'Brien instead of Dan Marino. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Absolutely. And Ken O'Brien, as another parallel to Trubisky, wasn't terrible. No, Ken O'Brien was fine. Uh, the, the Jets went to the playoffs a couple years. They went when to the AFC title game. Or no, they, uh, lost, they lost to the, Sype and yeah, the Browns. No, no, they lost to 80. No, you see. Aren't you glad I'm here? Brian Sype was long retired. It was the Bernie Kosar led okay. uh, Browns, eighty six, and, and they Sype actually, was eighty, right? Yeah, uh, no, Sype was eighty exactly. He was the MVP of the league, uh, and then uh, in eighty six, it was uh, Ken O'Brien. They played them in the, in the divisional playoff game, and it was a double overtime game. And the Jets, no, the Browns actually won that game, even though they had Mark Mosley who missed a couple field goals. And the Browns ended up losing to the Broncos from the drive. It was that playoffs, <clears throat> but the the Jets also went to the playoffs a couple other times too. I think with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had they have Mark Gastineau and uh, and uh, Joe Klecko and uh, and uh, who's the other guy? They had a, a Muhammad. They had like a, 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 a Islamic guy, which right. was like rare. The New York Sack Exchange. My question it. was because you know this more because you were like a kid at yeah. the time. Was Ken O'Brien more of like a "what the fuck are you doing" pick, or was it a shock that he wasn't as good? Uh, I think uh, I think people. Well, the story to me of that quarterback draft, because that's the famous quarterback draft of '83 with with John Elway, yeah, Marino, a Jeff, not Todd Blackledge, not Jeff Rutledge, it's a different quarterback. Oh, that was the Todd, big guy. Todd Blackledge was the second quarterback taken by the Chiefs, and he was a complete bust. 
complete bust. But your brother loves that. No, he, oh yeah, he was just like, he was, he was like, why wouldn't they? Marino fell. Marino was the last of the he five smoked weed, right? Well, there he was, was like the, a partier. There were actually drug rumors about him that I guess, you know, his roommate was Jimbo Covert, you know, the starting left tackle for the Bears in their 85 team. He was like, that's just totally not true. He's just like, it was It was like a complete fallacy. If at all, he was actually a pretty straight-laced guy and a very good athlete. And it was when he came into the league, he was good right away. And that just did not happen with quarterbacks. I think it actually can happen a little bit more frequently his rookie now. year, right? Well, not his rookie. He did, he thought it was like 2,200, 2,300 in his rookie year because I think he only played like three-fourths of the year. But when he started playing, you were like, oh, this guy's great. And then his second year was the 48-touchdown, 5,000-yard season where it was like, oh, my God, this is crazy that he's doing that. You know, it was a video. I mean, he was, it, it, they were great numbers, but they just put everything into him and didn't do anything else. Their defense was just always an abomination. But the storyline with O'Brien, I think people as it came out through time, they were like, he, I don't think he could stay healthy, but he ended up playing for them for like six or seven years, I think. For, I think he played until like probably 90 or 91, mm-hmm. you know, and then they had a guy named Ryan was the best. Ryan and O'Brien, two Irish guys with their quarterbacks. But they had decent enough teams because they had okay defenses. But they weren't shit. I mean, they weren't a great team. They were like a lower, lower level AFC team, which meant you were like truly the thirteenth team in football because the AFC was garbage then. The Vikings were a better team than most of the teams in the AFC in the, in the late eighties. Absolutely, because that's I was reading this article and I was like, oh no, we're becoming the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> It's just, it's hard to develop that position, man, that they've made the game so hard for quarterbacks that there's like eight or 10 <clears throat> guys who can actually do it effectively. That's like it, you know? So it's just, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that position. So I kind of feel like you got to really hit the right situation. That's why I realize what people gave up for, for Trubisky. That's, that's what pisses people off. And they mm-hmm. see Mahomes. Well, here, let me, and Mahomes, let is me, Mahomes landed in, in the ideal the situation. Spot. The ideal situation. Let me paraphrase this. I mean, he's good. Obviously, he's a talent. You know, this was Jamie Lee Curtis making a a leap from shitty horror movies the into she actually. She shows her titties. And she those. does absolutely. She had to. So there was a requirement. You know, <laughs> a requirement. You know, in the late eighties. You know, with what's his face? Dude, my cousin Landis directed this. My cousin bombards my facebook page he tags me in all sorts of memes yeah oh dude it fucking you can't you don't even know it's my facebook profile after a while man yeah yeah that's 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 poor etiquette if you ask me okay here we go so this is by adam hogue okay uh, this article nbc let's set this up what what is this again what is this here uh the title of this article because this is where this is a couple things are true okay this is where the bears list of quarterbacks starts at current so it starts at trubisky so we'll do a little Trubisky intro, and sure. then we'll take a break, and then we'll get into it. But it's basically, the title is Why Good. Criticism of Trubisky Has Gone Too Far. Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> uh, Trubisky's not a success story to this point, uh, but you have to. But, uh, but you know what else? He's not a bust. Um, this kid belongs in the NFL. He may be a fringe starting quarterback which is why he's currently in a competition with another fringe starting quarterback, but those players stay in the league for a long time. And then he goes, in fact, a lot worse quarterbacks have been in the league for a long time. Oh yeah. No, there's, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of the, the source of this article. Truth in that. The source of this article is Rodney Harrison said that if Mitch Trubisky doesn't win the starting job this year, he will never start in the league ever again. I don't know about that, but, uh, and, uh, and he goes, and he'll be considered one of the NFL's biggest busts. 
you know, <clears throat> and he goes, I'll give Harrison this based on his draft position. Then, yes, he'll be considered a bust. Exactly. He goes, but exactly. I, he goes, but I disagree with the notion that Trubisky won't start another game if he doesn't win the Bears. Yeah, I, I could see him, you know, gathering himself. Maybe he goes closer to home. Maybe he is a backup for a couple years and matures a little more or something. You know, I mean, you're fucking you're doing with 23 and 24 year olds. And this here is we go. Here more, we go. Oh, yeah. Here we go. It's, it's CMT. So though. then do, they, do they show it on CMT. No. They don't. So then There's they no compared they him. They compared him with a bunch of quarterbacks who didn't get their fifth you year see? options. They, they, they didn't show it. They oh just, God, no! Yeah. This is network television. They're not going to yeah. show nudity on this. Yeah, God they're not going to have. The, they say the N word too. They okay. say the N word in this. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah, we, we, yeah. What we uh, then they compared him to other Trading quarterbacks yeah. they, that haven't had their fifth year option uh, picked up. Picked up exactly. And that's when people look at that list and they're like, "Oh, well, Trubisky does suck uh, because it's Blaine Gabbert." Uh, Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, Brandon Wheaton, E.J. Manuel, Johnny Manziel, and Paxton Lynch, who all combined yep. to make one start after their rookie deals expired. The last quarterback on that list is Teddy Bridgewater, who had extenuating circumstances. When he with blew his, his knee. Injury. Exactly. He goes, so there's pr- plenty of precedent of what Harrison says. But then Adam Hogue goes on to say, he was like, but also those quarterbacks that were named, you knew immediately that they were not ready for the NFL. Like it was so clear that they don't belong on the field. Yeah. That like he was like, and that's where I think it's unfair to compare Mitch to those guys because he's better than them. Yeah. He was like the, he said the more fair comparison is Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback who bears fans were begging the fucking team to bring in, to take over for Mitch Trubisky. So just keep Mitch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's okay. There, I guess there's some boy, this article, he's grasping for stuff. He's, you know, (laughs) you know, how many games has he started? 41. Okay. Oh, this is, it's like, here's the paragraph. He goes, so while Trubisky happens to be on this dubious list of quarterbacks who haven't had their fifth year option, pick it up. He doesn't really belong in the same conversation. Despite not being one to pile up a ton of passing yards, Trubisky, 41 starts, has more career passing yards in three seasons than any quarterback on the list except for Gabbert, who had seven more starts over five more seasons. The next closest player is Bridgewater, uh, followed by Ponder. Uh, God, yeah. Ponder was bad. He goes, oh, if, he was a bad quarterback. He goes, if you're not catching on yet, Trubisky is much more comparable to Bridgewater, the exception on the list, than the other quarterbacks. You know, I tell you what, I actually liked Teddy Bridgewater for the Vikings. Uh, his He was going to, I think he was going to probably have a pretty good year, and he had that catastrophic knee injury. And it was like, they, I mean, if there wouldn't have been the trainer on the field, mm-hmm. they said, they would have had to amputate. He would have lost his leg from his <clears throat> knee down because he did oh, like yeah. he, it was he like severed an artery. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, it was it was like nerve damage and I think it was nerve damage artery and all three tendons. It was a catastrophic knee. And injury. then what what made this dude kind of take a back? He put a weird he put a like a fake real poll on Twitter where he said, "Right now, who do you want, Kyle Orton or Mitch Trubisky?" And Trubisky won 53 to 47. And he was like, he goes, that shouldn't have been that close. (laughs) And then he looked, he goes, but here's why it was close. Kyle Orton was a fourth round pick. Exactly. And he, and he didn't never threw for 3000 yards, never really played amazingly. He was a perfect game manager. Yeah. You know, he goes, and that's what it was. He was like, he was a fourth round pick. He had no great. And yeah, he had no expectations on him. Yeah. No, and that's the point too. With Ponder was a first round pick that they they reached out for. If they had drafted him in the third or fourth round, I could have accepted what he was. But him being a first round pick is a you made a mistake, and, and that's the concern with Trubisky. I just, 
I just haven't seen enough of it. Maybe I'm wrong. I so here's I'm the wrong. end. He goes, so while you know? Trubisky's Bears career isn't looking that rosy right now, I feel pretty confident that his NFL career is far from over. He'll get the chance to start again, even if it's not with the Bears in 2020. I, I, Because I, he said, he goes, some coordinator will think they can fix him. And it's also, it's like, you know, he's still young. I mean, get a couple years to mature a little bit, you know, and just like develop and, and the pressure sort of off of you. You're not, I mean, Chicago's a big market and it's like he goes to a smaller market, maybe backs up for a couple years, physically matures some more, mentally matures some more. And I, I could see him actually being effective. I don't think it's yeah. out of the realm, but he does not, I said this before last week, he cannot throw the ball consistently down the middle. You have got to throw the ball down the middle of the field if you have any chance of actually being a dynamic Dude, honestly, offense. that's why the longer this offseason goes, that is more videotape he can watch reading well, I defenses. Mean, it's, I mean, that's basically, to me, that's what I have to see to say, okay, he can actually... Because right now on Chase Daniels, he was the first... Chase Daniels got like a video podcast, and Mitch yeah. was his first guest. And I guess he said his little his offseason regimen is he wakes up, eats breakfast, and then immediately watches videotape on well, defenses i i hope that i mean it's they say that, that that's his issue and because i can tell you this much physical ability wise i mean again you know he's beaten the two years ago when they beat the vikings uh in minnesota i expected the vikings yeah. to win that game they had to win to get in the they were in the playoffs but if they lose they weren't going to make yeah. the playoffs also what hogue did is he summed up and this is what i've been telling people because everybody is well he isn't throwing for four thousand yards here's what here's what he needs to do 3,500 yards passing, 500 yards rushing, 30 touchdowns. Well, exactly. And you can win a Super Bowl, several Super Bowls. Well, he needs the running. See, that's the the running dimension. That That's where he's actually been good against the Vikings. He's run for first downs at least two or three times every single game they play at key moments. It's like, that's a key thing. If you're, that's why. It pisses me off with, like, with Cousins. Let him run on occasion. Well, I was wondering, too, because one dude who is so... There's a lot of dudes who hate Trubisky, but one guy on ESPN who like is always def- is Steve Young. And then I was watching that NFC title game and I was like, oh, they're like the same build of player. Exactly. Like and, Steve, and kind Young, of athletic Steve ability. Young knows what Trubisky could be. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's why he's like, he's always like, I know what this kid needs to do. One day he was like, this kid needs to just go fishing or something and yeah. relax. It, it's all, and just it's all here. Right? Calm down. Yeah. He was like, there's so much weight on his shoulders. And when the first incomplete pass he has, he gets booze from the entire crowd. Yeah. Like he was like, he needs to just fucking relax and Remember why you love playing the game. Exactly. Yeah. Why are you playing? Which I think is, you know, and so that to me, it's like there, there's a that mental side. Maybe this season could be good for him. If there weren't crowds around, yeah. he could actually have a decent year and get some confidence. So when the crowds actually do come back, he can actually play and a little if, bit. And if it's a rebound year, when the crowds come back, they'll be cheering for him. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or they're willing to give him a little bit of a little more leeway. And that's you know? where people are right with this competition with Foles is that uh they think it's unfair to him because they were like the first time he throws an incomplete pass they're going to be screaming for Nick Foles well I mean like what's what's his what is his margin of error before you put Nick Foles in he was like because the fans that's why a lot of people think you need to start Foles and let Foles fail and then let Trubisky come in and clean up and then have him let it. He goes because if he goes, it's unfair to start him right away because half the fans want Nick Foles. So the yeah. the first time he fumbles a snap, they're gonna be like, "Boo, Foles, Foles." Yeah. Well, I mean, people are dumb, obviously. Oh, a hundred percent. And but, most but, but, of them are Bear almost, fans. Uh, but but it, it is. I, I mean, it's basically a message. It's an old school message of 
you have to, you know, fish or cut bait. You have to play better this year. And, and if you don't, we're going to put this guy in. It, and it's Foles that, it's is that the kind of competition player, part of it. And you know? Foles is the kind of player that will help him, but will also not play down. Like, I'll help you out, but I'm also trying to beat you out for the job. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he needs, to, I mean, I don't know about all that stuff, but I mean, I just think that, you know, uh, he's, he's, it's 41 games is a pretty good sample size. And, there's flaws in his game. Uh, run more. He should just run more. I mean, if he runs well, for 60 yards a game, that was a big criticism well, of run? Nagy because run more. Uh, you know. Well, and that's what they were saying about his mental makeup is that he might take things a little too literally because. And this is funny. This is just yeah. a funny kid kitschy thing. Yeah. So in the off season of last year, uh, Nagy made this weird passing comment where he goes, I want him to be a team. He goes, I want him to be the team leader and I'd like him to throw more. We want to throw more. Yeah. So in the off season, Trubisky read books about leadership yeah. and then like active. I think he actively was like, well, he wants me to throw, so I'm not going to run. Yeah. Like, I think he chose to be like, well, they want me to throw, so I'm not going to run. That's coaching. You know what I mean? They're going to pay attention to what you say. Yeah. The player, you know, it's like, uh, you know. And they and they were like he probably should have not listened to the coach in that instance and just like he needs to realize what he's good at and do that yeah yeah exactly the, the fact is I wish I would have been told this Keith when I was a young person when I was a teenager I, I didn't realize this until like my mid late thirties it's like the idea of you play to your strength that's what you do what do you do well well then you should do that and it's like no I always thought like oh if you had like a weakness you have to work on that and improve it improve it. No, don't 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 spend time thinking about a weakness that you, mm-hmm. you have. You can waste years of your life with that. Yeah. Do what you do well and continue to do that. And someone you know? someone made an article about that, and this could be a franchise flaw in the way Pace does things. Is so run, Trubisky is my point. Basically, well, they thought here's what their their vision was. This kid has all the intangibles. We'll draft him and we'll teach him how to play our way. When they should have seen his intangibles, and they should have said, "Okay, oh, well, we're going to design draft him it around that, and then yeah. immediately build around him." Yeah, like part of his pace's problem is he let he let John Fox coach for a year. Yeah, the second you decided you were drafting Trubisky, you should have fired John Fox. Yeah, got like clean house, cleaned house, cleaned house. Yeah. He took one year to be like, "Okay, now we're going to build around Trubisky." Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. All the all these to me though are still rationalizations for a guy that just has not shown it to me in a consistent way. He can beat the Vikings because the Vikings <laughs> never win a fucking game in Soldier Field. He'll do that every single time, but uh, he's just not good. I think he was two and zero against them last year, right? Well, yeah. well I mean, and the last game was basically a scrimmage because the Vikings everyone played their backups. They were well, yeah. they were the fighting were for the it was like for home field or some bullshit, right? Yeah, yeah. The Vikings were already in, so they were going to be the sixth seed no matter what. So they would. Said we're, not, we're going to be healthy. and the Bears and still then, had to come back in that game because I remember that was like a final drive. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I watched a little bit of it at, at Galway Bay, and then I watched the Vikings beat the Saints the next week, which was a bit. I was, I was surprised when they won that game because I thought the Saints had everything to play for because of what had happened in the previous year and like that that call that went against them and and whatever they have Drew Brees for crying out loud, but the Vikings actually played really well that game. Their defense did a good job. What's his face, Zimmer. Uh, mixed up their defenses that they put their two dns at d tackle there's something that i read too passingly that made me laugh it made me realize how sinister people are in the nfl yeah i guess ryan pace sean payton kind of advised ryan pace in the 2017 draft and sean payton i guess is the one who told pace that like hey this trubisky kid is a lot like drew Brees. yeah 
And a lot of people wonder if he said that to throw him off the scent of Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Of like, even though he's his protege, like, you think he's really going to tell him who the best quarterback in the draft is? Yeah. Those guys are assholes. I can see him doing something like that. Undermining people. Yeah. You know, just, you can't be too trusting. Like, hey, draft this kid. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. And like, oh man, he listened. (laughs) Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that, yeah, I, you know, of course I want him to do well. I don't want people to see, see people fail. There's going to be a short lease this year. I mean, I think the pressure is on. This offseason's bizarre. It's oh, unlike I wish any I had off-season. a heat is on drop. The heat is on. We, we, we can put this scene on right now. This is where Dan Aykroyd, who has now traded places with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is now a successful businessman eating a high society dinner in Philadelphia. And uh, Aykroyd is looking in during the rain. Yeah. So for people who don't know, the plot to this movie is Dan Aykroyd is a rich businessman. Yep. And his two bosses make a bet for one dollar yep. that they could change his life with like in one fell swoop. So what they do is they take Eddie Murphy, who is a street beggar. Yes. And they basically make him head of the company. They fire Dan Aykroyd and it, yeah. and he becomes like a drug addict gangster. Yeah. And then halfway through the movie, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy team up to take down the two bosses. Exactly. It's trading places. And you know why? Yeah. It's because Eddie Murphy overhears the two old people kind of explaining what they're doing. And one of them goes, an n-word yeah head of winthorpe and that's yeah. when he's just like oh these fuckers yeah because he thinks that they're his friend but well, it's, yeah. it's the debate of nature versus nurture mm-hmm. is the underlying debate of this yeah. is it nature or nurture you're yeah. born this way or is it? And, and the argument here is obviously your environment has a big impact on, on your outcomes in life but you know no we all live in a vacuum keith go ahead <laughs> all right well do you want a break and then we'll i, I think it was a good trubisky discussion i didn't totally yeah. shit on him you know, but the, I don't know. So we'll talk about the, I'm looking forward to Bobby Douglas. I'm looking forward to Jonathan Quinn. Oh, dude, it's all in there. I'm looking forward to it all. Really hit bottom. He's a drunken Santa, you know. <laughs> so drunken Santa, they basically made a movie from this scene of trading places taking place in Philly, the city of brotherly love. This is Adam Crocious. Yeah. And we also have Keith Basil. We're back, everybody. We did it. You know, and so we're still watching a little bit of Trading Places right now. You know, Eddie Murphy, early Eddie Murphy. I made a meme out of the day out of this Dan Aykroyd rain Santa <laughs> one time. I mean, yeah, it, this is. Oh, that's it's continuity. Philly. Bad continuity. Oh, no, it's a different Santa. That's why. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. going to say he's not wearing a fucking he's he he's not. Yeah, he has no shoes on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, he, yes. He's got that dirty ass beard. <laughs> yeah. I saw someone get on a bus in LA with a dirty Santa beard. Oh, I believe that. It's not out of the realm. Man, I tell you what, the bus, you know, the subway is, you know, it's it's rough here. The subway is. I have not taken it since I was told to go home, obviously, because of the virus. You got a car too. But I got a car. Now I do, which is good. But the tr- the buses here, the bus system in LA you get the dregs. You get the dregs on the oh, buses. Yeah. You get the real. I mean, it's like people are on the end. You know, they're, they're on wit's end. There's know? a couple times where I was like, I might have to fight. Like, you might have to defend yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I remember being and being like, okay, you got to have your, your wits got to be about you. You know, you never know if something's going to happen. Yeah. I saw that on, 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 the, on the train, uh, boy, probably three months ago. 
Two guys started to get into a fight. Oh, I thought you were going to say a guy eating a sandwich under a, San, a Santa beard. <laughs> no, I we're watching that. trading places still. But I saw two guys. This guy was like really was being really obnoxious and loud. And it kind of calmed down and everyone was fine. And then some dude just walked over to him and just grabbed him by the neck and forced him up against the wall. You know, and it was just like, and the guy was like fighting back, but it was like this really strong black guy just physically suppressed this dude. So are you ready to go down this list here? Wow, absolutely. So for those who don't know, we are going through the 30, the, the th- top 30. So far are, that the ones, it's not even top. It's just they're just, just quarterbacks. They're going down chronologically from current until, and every day they release an older one. Yeah, They're exactly. up to fucking like the Blanda, I think, was the last guy that they released. <laughs> so uh, fortunately, we got Mitch, Mitch Trubisky out of the way in the first and half. Then they and had, now I want to hear this. Now they got Chase Daniel. He's a system backup. guy. He's a system guy. Then they had Mike Glennon. <laughs> which added, which again added to the Trubisky weirdness because they paid Mike Glennon like $45 million <laughs> and then they drafted Trubisky and everybody was just like, well, why the fuck were you, did you sign Mike Glennon if you yeah. were going to fucking, and God. then it's uh fucking Jake Cutler. Yeah. I forgot they had Glennon. When yeah. did they have Glennon? Like in 17 or something? Trubisky's rookie year. He was started that- five games and then they put and then they 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 gave the reins to Mitch to Mitt, to Trubisky. Okay, okay. Was um, that seventeen or sixteen? Seventeen. Okay. And then God. and then you got Brian Hoyer, who was a cut. All, all these next few are Cutler backups. You got yeah. Brian Hoyer. Yeah. He, Matt Barkley. But, but Brian Hoyer was sort of a, he was like an, wasn't he an Ohio State guy or something they like go that through right here? Um, or was he Boston College? I don't, I don't know. know. We can look. I, I just wanted to hear their college and kind of what, what they were, you know. So it just. Matt you know, Barkley was USC. Yeah. Well, Barkley was because he was a backup for the Eagles, right? Didn't he play for the Eagles too? And was I think he was drafted by the Jets. Maybe? Hoyer, I think, but picked up by the Patriots this season. I think he plays. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple. I think there's a Hoyer. His middle Brian, name is Axel. <laughs> Brian Axel Hoyer. Uh, he went to Michigan State. Oh yeah, okay. He's one of those weird Michigan State quarterbacks that they would have, you know. All right, and then we got Leader White's Barkley. Yeah, Jimmy Clausen. Oh, Jimmy Claus. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah, <laughs> Josh McCown. Oh God. I All mean- right, and then now we're getting into like <clears throat> kind of OG people that they Jason Campbell. I remember Jason Campbell. He was a Cutler backup. When was he there? Like 03? 2012. 2012? One-year deal in 2012 as a Jay Cutler backup. Jesus Christ, I said 03. That's Six how far games, off I was. one start. Campbell was 0-1 with two touchdowns, two interceptions, and 265 yards. They give all the stats. Yeah, Jason Campbell. Oh, my God. And then we got Caleb Haney. <laughs> Caleb Haney signed with the Bears as an undrafted free agent in 2008. After injuries to Jay Cutler and Todd Collins, who we'll talk about in a few minutes here, uh, in the 2010 NFC Championship game, Caleb Haney led the Bears to a touchdown in his first possession, but ultimately threw two interceptions, including a pick six to defensive lineman B.J. B.J. Raji. Yep. Bears lost 21 to 14 to the rival Packers. I watched that game with my girlfriend. Caleb Haney became the starter in 2011 after Cutler broke his thumb against the Chargers. I remember that was the end of Cutler. People people thought Cutler was a pussy because he didn't play with a broken thumb. Yeah. On his throwing hand. Yeah, I know. They I think know. he should be sick. Or I, I remember that's when people said, if I made his money, I'd play with a broken arm. Yeah. 
No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't because you, you have a broken arm. You can't throw a ball. It's physically impossible to do that. Your body breaks. That's like what people, happens. I, and I remember he said a lot of people got upset because he said, I'm not going to risk my career for one If game. I made that type of money, there are so many moronic sports fans out there. You're totally right. That voice is good. That's a good Chicago calling guy. Do, 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 do the review. Do the review <laughs> of, of the Bear quarterbacks through, through, that, through that Chicago voice. That right. Chicago voice. Like the next quarterback. Like give your criticism or what you liked about him what you didn't like him. Jason Campbell, he could run a little bit. I remember that. No, but I want to hear Oh, that. yeah. Oh, dude, they get all those calls. This Campbell guy, <laughs> I don't know. He runs a lot. <laughs> and I don't know. These these black quarterbacks. <laughs> Would you hear that on that occasion? Good. Would you hear black quarterbacks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You hear a lot of like uh, racist, a lot of uh, God. It's, it's so a bad. it's a minority hire. Oh boy, yeah. I remember. I mean, I I never really listened to the score and stuff when I was because I, I wasn't a Chicago it. sports man. But occasionally, it was pretty funny. But yeah, what, okay, so do, then do you have next. Todd Collins now. No, Todd Collins. You know, Todd I thought Collins. we couldn't like it after the drink of Tom Collins. When well, no, no, there's got to be like some you know bear Did, voice. This Todd Con- he's like my grandpa. <laughs> I don't, it was always, no one really ever liked a guy. I remember people liked Orton. This guy, this Orton kid, I remember he it was sucked. outrageous. People he were like, because when Rex Grossman, or, Orton's rookie year, Kyle Orkman, uh, they were, uh, that's the, that's what you got to do. You just got to mispronounce the last name and have the accent. Oh God. I've done that before. Uh, so Collins was Maybe 39 when they signed him. Wow. 2010. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I remember him playing like in I think two he games, played like in the mid nineties. Two and games stuff. in one start. Collins was one and zero with zero touchdowns and five interceptions, and sixty eight yards of on ten for twenty seven passing. His final game was the NFC Championship, which he briefly replaced an injured Jay Cutler before suffering a shoulder injury himself. Huh. Yeah, I mean, guys are always getting hurt who are bare quarterbacks too. They are. Always getting beat up. And then we have Kyle uh, Orton. Uh, wait, what, how long did Orton play? He played for a while, didn't he? He retired in like 2018. He played for like 10 years. Not 18. Because or- Orton was a quarterback for like the 06, nine. I think, yeah. I, think, I remember he played in 08, too. And uh, yeah, yeah, did they have his length well, of Well, 05 was his rookie. He might have retired in 2015. Wait, uh, yeah, I could probably Because he, he retired as a cowboy. He was like okay. a backup to the Cowboys. <laughs> Uh, drafted in the fourth round of the 2005 draft, originally intended to be a backup to Rex Grossman and Chad Hutchinson, who we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Orton, however, found himself starting 15 games, including an eight-game win streak as a rookie. Orton did not play in the first round of the playoffs. They benched him for Rex. That's when people yeah. were like, I don't know why we're not going with this Ortman kid. Yeah. <laughs> he quarterbacked us to an 11-5 and five yeah. season. And everybody knew it was the defense. Yeah, of course. It could only yeah. help to have Rex Grossman well, it, come it, back in the playoffs. It was the defense, and you had the greatest special teams player ever. You also, know? but what sealed I mean, it, though, is I mean, Rex, Devin Hester was a phenomenon. What sealed it, though, is Rex let a comeback against the Falcons in the divisional round because i remember in, yeah. two, in that season they lost to the panthers in the nfc championship yeah. game when in the in, 05 game yeah 05 season i think it was and then the that's four that's when everybody 04. knew that yeah. like we're gonna go to the fucking super bowl next year because we're gonna have rex all year yeah and but that was the good rex bad rex year yeah where he yeah. like half half like literally all-time bear numbers 
And then he would throw, he'd have a game where he'd throw four touchdowns and then he would throw six interceptions the next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, okay. So, <laughs> and then, uh, then you have Rex. Rex Grossman. Number 22 pick in the 03 draft. Oops. My favorite Rex thing is that I've heard, because I went to, he, he, uh, he grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. And I've heard that he won his state championship game on acid. Well, I mean, I know he, when I heard that I was a Rex Grossman fan. Well, I mean, he was a great, he was a great high school football player. I mean, he got recruited by Florida for crying out loud out of Indiana. Like he was a, he had an amazing, are you heard about Rex Grossman in high school? In 36 you know? games and 31 starts, Rex Grossman was 19 and 12 with 33 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, 6,164 yards and a 70.2 passer rating. Why did why did he did he eventually get injured out of the league or something? He got or, hurt his first three seasons. Well, in he the got league. hurt constantly. So I mean, why did they eventually get rid of him? I mean, was he did he get old? Do you know what the just story about? They just got tired of the, yeah. they got tired of basically like it was I think what year did they get rid of him in two thousand and eight? Yeah, hmm. two thousand and eight. They were just like we can't. It's four years. It's basically with like Mitch in the next couple of years. Like yeah, we can't let you develop anymore. Like. Yeah. Yeah, well, he get. I'm in fairness to him. He he got he had freak injuries. He got hurt all the time. You know, he got one of the last fucking uh, carpet knee injuries. He was playing against the Vikings, and he fucking that Metrodome yeah. fucking turf. Yep. tore up his season. Yep, 04. absolutely. Yeah, no, I remember, I was like the second game of the season. I remember he was being taken off in the cart, which is always a bad thing. And he he, he was he could read his lips. He's like, "What the fuck?" He was saying, you know, he's just he couldn't believe he got hurt again. You know, which right. is too bad. And then you got Brian Greasy. <laughs> oh, man. They, they, you know, there's a particular type of quarterback that's a bad quarterback who's played for the Bears. It's always a guy who's had like one and a half good seasons. <laughs> and they're hoping that it turns into like three or four. But they're ne- but they're, <clears throat> they're like a little bit of a name because Brian Greasy was post Broncos and he was post Elway. So people couldn't stand him in Denver because he wasn't John Elway. So he had a hard job filling in, you know, but it was like, but he was terrible. Not a good quarterback. The Bears signed Greasy to a five-year deal in March 2006 to back up Rex Grossman. Greasy was coming off surgery and two torn knee ligaments. He played sparingly in 06, throwing just 32 passes as the Bears 13-3 marched to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Greasy took over for a struggling Grossman in week four of the 07 season, leading the Bears to a 2-3 and three record before injuring his shoulder in week 10. Yeah. Uh, and then when Grossman went down with a knee injury in week 14, Greasy again stepped in only to be benched for the final games for Kyle Orton. Now we're getting, we got Jonathan Quinn. Oh, uh, Quinn. Jonathan Quinn, medicine quarterback. <laughs> medicine <laughs> medicine. Jonathan Quinn, had that, I, I don't know, I don't know who said that about him. Some, some, it was probably a, a Sun CJ Times guy, you know, no, it was a. Quinn made a positive impression on then Rams defensive coordinator Lovey Smith in 2003, leading the Chiefs to a preseason win over St. Louis <laughs> with 231 yards. That was always a knock on Lovey Smith was that he couldn't build an offense. Yeah, of he course. He, he was a defensive guy. He didn't know how to put together a staff. He didn't know who yeah. to draft. He was completely hapless when it came to offense. Yeah, he's a defensive guy, you know. Uh, Smith was hired as the Bears coach in 04, and Quinn was brought in a few months later to back up. Well, that's complicated. Four quarterbacks started games for the Bears that season. Quinn, three. Grossman, three. Chad Hutchinson, five. And Craig Krenzel, five. No one performed all that well. As for Quinn, he played in five games and totaled 413 yards passing. One touchdown, three interceptions. The Bears went 0-3 in the games he started. What year was that again? 
Um, like, oh, oh, four. Oh, four. Because they had their bullshit 01 season. They were a garbage that was team. Dick then to, yes, that was a fucking. You, that's like early. That's like early memories for you, right? They went over their defense. I watched a, a breakdown of that season. They had Erlacher, fucking uh, Roosevelt, Colvin, yeah, uh, Keith Trailer, Ted Washington, yeah, fucking uh, so two other defensive R.W. McCorders, yeah. Uh, uh who the fuck else oh that was like a sneaky good defense yeah they mike had a good brown, defense mike yeah. brown mike brown was he was a touchdown guy they won so many bullshit games like on the left they beat the browns that year uh, i'm like they had back to back like a hail mary down, plays they were know? down 21 to 7 with 32 seconds and left. they won the i remember watching overtime. that and i was just like how is and this then they beat possible? the 49ers on a pick six absolutely it was like back to back weeks that happened and i think mike brown won back to back weeks there were tip balls that he had a pick six on. mike brown became a folk hero for that back-to-back week but there was jim miller was the quarter look at look at james belushi cop on a feel you know look at he's cop on a feel oh 100 percent. you know it's just wow they let him be full belushi <laughs> now we got craig krenzel oh national champion at ohio state craig krenzel was Stunk. drafted in the fifth round of the 04 draft craig Stunk. krenzel was low on the depth chart for the season but soon started in uh five of his six nfl games after getting off to a 3-0 and record as a starter, he lost his next two games and suffered an ankle injury against the Cowboys, never playing for the Bears again. In six games and five starts, he was 3-2 and with three touchdowns, six interceptions, 718 yards passing with a passer rating of 52.5. Again, I say Mitchell Trubisky is not that bad. Uh, <laughs> Chad Hutchinson is next. Oof. Signed as a free agent after stints with the Cowboys and the Rhine Fire of the NFL Europe, Hutchinson joined the Bears in 04 after Rex Grossman suffered a season-ending knee injury. Hutchinson, a former baseball player who had a brief career with the Cardinals, became the Bears starter after ineffectiveness and injuries over Jonathan Quinn and Craig Krenzel. In five starts, Hutchinson was 1-4, in four, four touchdowns, three interceptions, 903 yards passing, 73.6 released in 05. Again, Mitchell Trubisky is not that bad. Yeah, the, 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 well, the, yeah, those were terrible quarterbacks. Uh, Cordell Stewart. <laughs> I remember Slash. Uh, <laughs> former Pro Bowler. I remember people were psyched about this. Like, we thought he was going to have, like, this big career resurgence. No. You know. Uh, <clears throat> here's another thing. They keep kind of spoiling stuff. Uh, things didn't start off the way Stewart or the Bears wanted, however. He was replaced by veteran Chris Chandler. When Chandler experienced similar struggles... Stewart was back uh, back in the lineup until rookie Rex Grossman was given a shot. So that was Rex's rookie year. So 03. And then we have Chris Chandler, uh, a former Super Bowl quarterback with the yep. Falcons, signed yep. with the Bears before the 02 season as a backup to Jim Miller. With Miller injured for large chunks of the season, Chandler appeared in nine games, uh, starting seven out of uh, yeah, starting seven of them. Chandler was again the backup in 03. This, this is the time. dude from Airplane. The bald guy there is the is the gay guy in Airplane. Really? You know, he's like, I can make a brooch of it. There's a sale of pennies. That's the ball guy, though. I just realized that. It's crazy. Go ahead. I'm listening, though. So in 02, who was the quarterback? Chandler. Ch- Chandler. I remember he beat the Vikings in the 98 championship series. Uh, yeah. Game because he, he, he actually. Was good. Had, yeah. He actually. Had, I didn't realize he was that old at the time. Yeah. He was He was old. I mean, that, that was his high watermark. He threw for 366 yards against the Vikings in that game. I think it was 366. I mean, he was. He throws a very catchable ball. You know, but anyway. Yeah, he didn't have like a cannon or anything. Yeah, it was a very nice pass. Yeah, so, oh yeah, well, who else? Who's before that? Jim Miller? 
Jim Miller's got to be my fucking guy, dude. Miller signed with the Bears in 1998 after an injury to Eric Kramer. But it's not until midway through the 99 season that he became a starter. His initial tenure was short-lived, however, when he was suspended for violating the league's NFL substance abuse policy. Yeah. <laughs> Miller oversaw a 13-3 season in 2001, becoming the first Bears quarterback to lead the team uh, to a playoff appearance since 1994. Miller lost his starting position in 02 and left the Bears in the offseason. In 32 games and 26 starts, he was 15-11, and 11, 34 touchdowns. 26 interceptions, 5,867 yards with a 76.7 rating. You know, I like this Miller kid. I <laughs> love Jim Miller. <laughs> this Jim Miller is a good guy. He <laughs> reminds me of my grandpa. He smells like a factory. Uh, this is a guy I didn't know. Henry Burris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember him playing for them. Blink and you miss Burris's NFL career. After going undrafted in 97, he took his talents to the CFL. Oh, he's he, a legend. Where he won a Grey Cup as a backup in the Calgary, with the Calgary Stampeders. In 2000, Burris had a breakout season as starters for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 4,647 yards and 30 touchdowns before signing with the Packers. He spent most of 01 with the Green Bay practice squad. The Bears signed Burris before the 02 season. His only start came in the final game of the year in a 15-0 loss to Tampa Bay, in which he threw four interceptions. His career totals with the Bears in six games, one start, 207 passing yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. Yep. From there, he returned to the CFL where he won uh, two Most Outstanding Player Awards and two more Grey Cups. Oh, he, he's, he's a legend. If you ever watch CFL games, I've watched a few CFL games, they talk about Henry Burris. It's like He's like... You know, he's one of the best quarterbacks. One of the best there ever was, you know. Yeah. I like the CFL. It's an entertaining watch. Well, yeah, they have weird rules. Field goals are worth nine points and shit. Well, I mean, they have three downs, and the field's 110 yards. And, and it's a, two guys can be in motion. It's 100 meters, though. They, they can, they can be, yeah, two guys can be in motion when they're doing plays and stuff, which I think is kind of an added dimension. It's kind Didn't of the fucking goalposts used to be like – in the front of the fucking well, it was for the end NFL zone. too. Yeah, yeah. The guys are. Yeah, there's a famous picture when Didka had his two oh, year stint with, with, with the Eagles and shit. Yeah, and like going for passes and like hitting it with their shoulder. And you see, there's a picture of Didka, and he's just like all bloated out because he's a he's drunk Didka, and, and he just hits and he hits it. And he just you see him just wince in pain and fall back as he's running full speed into a thing that's in concrete, you know, that's embedded six feet down. It's Lionel Joseph. Lionel Joseph. Oh yeah, here's Dan Aykroyd blackface, babe. If you want to fucking, <laughs> I remember this being funny. You know? Oh, it is funny. Eddie Murphy is in the scene with him. He la obviously approved. And that was taken by uh, by Saint Elmo's Fire. Oh, such a bad movie. Anyway, though, oh, not, they did that in Saint Elmo's Fire. Yeah, that was like their thing when they were being a group together. They like they go la boo la boo la boo. They would do trading places. Yeah, they do. They, they would do that. Like that was like their thing, you know, because they were oh, they were living their post collegiate life. And they, they weren't adjusting very well, man. <laughs> I remember so seeing sad. that movie. So not seeing it, not being, but thinking to myself, my God, these actors yeah. have such more. Their, their lives are so much more interesting than me. You were like jealous of them, or, or just like this. I don't know. Not even jealous. More just like <clears throat> sad over like how bad my life was compared to theirs. <laughs> All right. There was like a sadness in it. Next up, anyway, Shane Matthews. Oh yeah, I remember him from Florida. Signed with the Bears in '93, didn't throw a pass until the 1996 regular season. He rode the bench in California for the next two seasons, or in Carolina, uh, and wasn't until the Bears reacquired him in '99 that he made his first start. 
He made seven starts that season as he platooned with Cade McNown before suffering an injury. After fighting off a scary staph infection in early 2000, Matthews made eight starts for the Bears over the next two seasons. I remember like that. He was like, he's their guy. Yeah. God. Uh, His crowning achievement was leading the Bears to an improbable uh, back-to-back wins over the 49ers and the Browns in 01. Yep. Uh, better known to the fans as the game's Mike Brown sealed with overtime interception returns for touchdowns. It's a long. It's not known as that, but that's what yeah. happened. Yeah. Matthews' career next took him to Washington, then the Buffalo, ending in 04. Yeah. Yeah. Then in t- February 2018, uh, Matthews was sentenced to three months in prison for his role in a health care scam. Wow. In Florida? Yeah. Big shock. In Florida, imagine that. There's no angles being worked there. All told with the Bears, Matthews threw for 3,461 yards, 19 touchdowns, God. and 18 interceptions. God, it just, it, these the mediocrity. And then before him was Kay McNown. Kay right? McNown. To me, when I think of true bus. I think of him being a real boss. Perhaps no quarterback represents the Bears' struggles at the position better than Cade McNown, whom the Bears drafted in the first round of the 99 draft. A Heisman Trophy finalist, consensus All-American at UCLA, McNown held out for most of his training camp before signing a $22 million contract. He wouldn't start his first game until week six in place of the injured Shane Matthews and would start the season's final three games. Named the starter heading into the 2000 season, he oversaw a 1-7 and seven start to the season before being benched. Yeah. He wouldn't start one more game for the Bears. Uh, but by the time the team and Bears fans had seen more than enough, <clears throat> in 25 games and 15 starts, he was 3-12 and 12 with 16 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 3,111 yards, and a 67.7 passer rate. God. He was traded to the Dolphins following the 2000 season. I saw his best yeah. game as a Bear against the Lions. They won 26 to 10. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a weak arm. That that was the knock, right? He, he actually had a weak. But he was a first round pick out of UCLA, and UCLA had a very good year that year. They went to the Rose Bowl yeah, against the, fucking against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wisconsin rolled them actually. Well, they didn't. They beat them 38 uh, 31 because uh, UCLA was not going to stop Wisconsin <clears throat> running the Ron football. Ron Dane was un- yeah. I mean, he, he ran for two hundred and sixty yards that game. I mean, yeah. it was like they were. Gonna, he had four touchdowns. It's like they, you know he wasn't going to be stopped. He was an animal. Uh, um, Kay McNown, man. He was just, I mean, he's, he, I guess he was a real asshole too. He's a really cocky prick. He's from, he's from uh, LA because, you know, he dated like a Playboy model and stuff. He was going to live the life. Up, yeah. Eric Kramer. Yeah. Few quarterbacks in Bears history match up favorably with Kramer, whom the Bears signed as a free agent in 94. In 95, Kramer put up franchise records for yards, 3,838 and touchdowns, 29 in a season. Records that still stand. He wasn't the starter through 98, but found his playing time often limited by injury, starting just eight games in his final season. Two days before the 99 training camp, the Bears waived Kramer. Um, in 49 games and 46 starts, he was 18-28 and 28 with 63 touchdowns, 45 interceptions, and 10,582 yards and an 80.7 passer rating. After his playing yeah. career, two major life events made a big impact on Kramer. His son Griffin died of a heroin overdose in, in 2011, Oof. and a lifetime of battling severe depression resulted in Kramer attempting to take his own life in 2015. Kramer survived a self-inflicted gunshot wound after spending six months in a medically induced coma and seven months in hospitals. <laughs> he has since recovered and speaks openly about his experiences with depression. Wow. Wow. That's pretty crazy, That's man. That's my quarterback. Man, I remember he, he was a quarterback for the Lions in 91. I remember when the Bears got him. It was like a huge get. 
Oh, oh yeah, like it, people it were like the Bears, sign. like the Bears sign. might have finally signed their franchise quarterback well, I mean, type of thing. I mean, he was he was decent for the he played for the '87 the the, the uh, replacement players, and then uh, and, and then he played for the Lions in '91 when they went to the NFC Championship game and lost to the uh, Re, uh, Redskins. He was a starting quarterback. I'm smoking but, a blunt, man. Exactly. And then you have uh, <laughs> the, the, she's from Sweden. You have uh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Ooh, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm a little, you know. She's way skinny here. It's crazy, you know. All right. Next, we got Steve Stenstrom. Oh man, Stenstrom Ooh. was the first quarterback I remember being like, okay, we have bad quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know it. Yeah, absolutely. Stenstrom joined the Bears in 1995, but didn't get his first start until the 1998 season in place of Eric Kramer. Stenstrom's tenure as a starter didn't go well. <laughs> He won just one game, a 24-3 win against the Ravens. In 11 games and seven starts, he was 1-6, four touchdowns, eight interceptions, 1,300 yards, a 67.1 rating. He joined the 49ers in 99 and appeared in a handful of games for Steve Young and Jeff Garcia. Yeah. Next, we got Moses Moreno. Taken in the seventh round of the 1998 draft, Moreno saw limited action his rookie season. His only start came in week 13, a 31-17 loss to the Buccaneers. That was like the early Dungy Bucks. Yeah. I remember um, Moses Moreno. In two games in one start, he was 0-1 with one touchdown, no interceptions, 166 yards, and a 62.7 passer rating. Jesus. What year was that? 2000. Yeah. No, I remember the elevated. No, that was the 99 season. I remember at the elevated, <laughs> there was a, a guy who helped run the show with Kane Collier, a guy named Henry Scott. And he wanted to try to get Moses Moreno to show up at a show. <laughs> to be like <laughs> funny? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be that year. He's like, get Moses Moreno out here. You know, which I think is kind of, kind of funny. Then yeah. we got Rick Meyer, oh, who I think is pound for pound the worst quarterback in Bears history. Oh. So Meyer bad. came to the Bears via trade with the Seahawks in 1997, costing the Bears a first-round pick. Meyer, who never put up great numbers in Seattle despite being projected as a future star, yeah. fared worse in Chicago as Eric Kramer's backup. Uh, the Bears agreed to a three-year, $11.4 million deal with Meyer, who only lasted one season. In seven games and three starts with the Bears, he was 0-3, no touchdowns, six interceptions, 420 yards, and a 37.7 passer rating. Next, we got Dave Krieg. Oh, I'm well. He, I mean, Dave Craig was he uh, was late in his career. Yeah, and, and Craig had good numbers. Signed you know? with the Bears in 1996 as Kramer's backup. Oh, he was literally, literally the last team he played for because yeah. he played for the Chiefs before the Sea or you know after the Seahawks. Kramer was sidelined with an injury in '96 in Week Four. Craig was decent, the good. <clears throat> he threw for 2,278 yards, 14 touchdowns, the bad. He had 12 interceptions and fumbled six times. Craig compl- uh, Craig comply uh, compiled. I can't read a six okay. and six record as a starter, uh, and the Bears finished seven and nine. Sure, yeah. And then we got Steve Walsh, Viking wow. killer, nineteen ninety four. <laughs> yeah, they they beat the. I remember the Vikings beat the Bears in Soldier Field early in the season that year, and it was and they smoked them. They, they was that Green's first attack. year? No, it was it was Green's uh, third year, ninety four. 
Uh, they had Carter. They had Jake Reed. Moon was the quarterback. Dwayne Washington was a was a defensive back who uh, had a pick six against Kramer. And then they and then they beat them late in the '94 season in Minnesota in an overtime game, much tougher game. So the Vikings had beaten them twice, and then the Bears had to play them in the playoffs in Minnesota and smoked them. Wanstead, they smoked, they smoked the Vikings. Walsh's regular season totals with the Bears are 2,078 yards, 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Next, we got my boy Jimmy Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is the first Bears quarterback I remember. Yeah. Like, I don't remember Jim McMahon. I remember yeah. him being in the league, but I don't remember him as a bear. Yeah, exactly. First round pick in 87. Didn't really start until 90-91. Always hated Ditka because he audibled plays, I guess. Yeah. And Ditka hated that he audible yes. plays. Yep. So they traded him to the Colts. These are all these cautionary tales. Yeah. And this is why I know. I know for a fact we're going to be the team that not only drafted Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson, but we're going to be the team that got rid of him, and then he was good. <laughs> that's just how it's going to play out. <laughs> that's how the narrative is going to happen. That's Absolutely. how because yeah, that's yeah. what happened with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> it's what happened with Alex Smith. Yeah. There's just signs out there. Yeah, you get you give up on these guys, and then they have fucking no. career resurgences. Uh, that, you know, typically, it's rare, but it happens because he went to the Colts, and they went to the fucking AFC title game. They did. They, they beat a Chief team in in bad weather circumstances. Lynn Elliott missed three field goals because it was like super cold. The ball was like literally shiny when it gets yeah. shiny because it's like slick it's and like stuff. Frozen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In 89 games and 65 starts, Harbaugh was 35 and 30 with 50 touchdowns, 56 interceptions. 11,567 yards and a 74.2 passer rating. What was his record? What was his record? 35 and 30. I mean, he was a decent enough quarterback. After asking for a release before the 94 season, he signed with the Colts, revitalizing his career and eventually leading them to the AFC championship game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was, I mean, you know, he was the chosen one. Here's where we start getting into real shittery, like the bookends of McMahon. Oh, yeah. Peter Tom Tom Willis. Willis. I remember him. Third round pick out of Florida State. Uh, uh, In 21 games and three starts, Willis was 0-3, six touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 1,261 yards, a 54.9 passer rating. He was released before the 94 season and joined the Arena League. Wow. Then we got Will Fuhrer. I I actually don't remember him. Another oh, Bears, no, I kind of remember another, a little bit, yeah. Uh, Fear was selected out of Virginia Tech in the fourth round of 92. <clears throat> His Bears career was short, just one season. He made only one start, 27-14 loss to the Cowboys. Hmm. He was 9-23, of 23, 89 yards, three interceptions, and two starts, and two games in one start. That's why they're going through all of them, every Bears quarterback. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not. You're right I, I, to yawn. No, You're it's right okay. to yawn. Yeah, but this. I want to hear, yeah. Mike Tomzak is next. <sighs> Tom's, you know, he's from Cal City. I always he is like from Tom Cal Zach. City. He's exactly. from Joliet. Oh, he is? Yeah, he was from Joliet. Okay. One of my, my, my dad had a Bears game on tape. It was the Monday Night Football 1987 because it was Giants Bears. Yes. It was the last two Super Bowl champs. They were yeah, calling it, was it, it, was the first they were game. calling it like Super Bowl 37 and a half or something like yep. that or some yep. bullshit. Super Bowl 23 and a half. Uh, so I have a story about that Tom game. Tom Zach yeah. started that game and he fucking dominated the fucking bears lit the giants the they beat fuck up. 34 19 i remember i would watch that game over and over again as a kid and i yeah. fell in love with mike tomzak and you know what i was so aesthetically pleased by stuff i like that he wore that fat fucking cage face mask yeah. he looked like a goddamn linebacker out there and <laughs> what's your story about that game well th- that was my uh my first week being in college 
at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I was 18 years old and I'd just been dropped off at college. It was an emotional time in my life. When I look back on that, I remember uh, crying. I cried, you know, when uh, my mom and I hugged and uh, I knew my life had changed because in my family, I wasn't going to come back. <laughs> I, that was it. I was gone. I was truly on my own at right. that time. You were you like, know? yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to come back for the summers. You know, you know, that's how I felt when I left Chicago and when, when I left the suburbs to go to Chicago and then when I left Chicago to go to LA, like, yeah. I never believed in that. Like, yeah, if I'm moving to Chicago, even if I don't do comedy, I'm not moving back to the suburbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, why yeah. make that move? Just yeah. fucking go. Just fail and live in the city. Yeah. And that's when I moved to L.A. I told people like they would just like you're coming back. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I, I may. I, I live I in know. I live in L.A. now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The circumstances that, that there are conditions that I have for living out here, you know. Uh, but uh, but anyway, w with um, um, what was I saying again about uh, first year the the Bears Giants game? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Eighty seven Monday Night Football. They, they interviewed Lawrence Taylor at halftime. Yeah, because I think he was suspended, just like, coming off crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was, uh, and my roommate was just. I had this terrible freshman year roommate. I mean, he was a complete. He was just a dork. I mean, he was really, really, he was obsessive and he was obsessed with Pink Floyd, The Wall. Oh, so, big acid guy. And, and he, he got like his his car stereo and then he screwed a, uh, a, uh, a a television aerial into the ceiling of our dorm floor so he could get QFM, which was the classic rock station of Milwaukee. Because he was like 75 miles away and he wanted to make sure he could still listen to QFM, man. He was going to be, he was like one of those guys. And he was just, well, he got divergentized the night of that game because I was actually laying in bed. And I remember the AC oh, was working. Him, you and I heard him, him humping. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's great. And it was just like I was not into it. Was he making like dork sounds? Oh, but, but, but it was just like, oh, Dave. When, 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 when oh, he put he was it, put it, it in. Her? Yeah, exactly. I heard him like open the condom and stuff. It was like, I mean, there's a play by play. I'll never forget was that. Was he man. in the room? Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I, I was. Thought in you bed. meant like through the wall. You no, heard. no. He was in the room. I mean, and, and I was, in, I was in bed, and he, he came sneaking in, and it woke me up, and it was mid them humping, and it was just, and she was this real like nasty, motley crew, just gross looking woman. It was just a, it was a, and I, I did not like the. Guy. I said, please, dude, don't ever do that again. Oh yeah, just don't do That's that. That's not nice. And, and he was actually cool about that. He respected that boundary. But he wanted to get laid, man. He's in college now. It's time I get laid, you know. So in 77 <laughs> games and 31 starts, Tom Zach was 21 and 10. Uh, That's a good record. With 33 touchdowns, 47 interceptions, 6,247 yards, a 62.5 passer rating. He joined the Packers in 91 before a stint with the Browns in 92 and seven seasons with the Steelers. He played for a long time. Yeah, he had a long career. Absolutely. Tom Zach's a good Steeler guy. God, they had some weird quarterbacks, man. I mean, he seems guys, like a guy that, that would be that era of quarterback actually wasn't that bad because Harbaugh was decent and and Tom's well, Tom's Zach had the fortune of still having eighty five Bears players. You know what I mean? But that that's my story about that, uh, that. That and I was I was out of college. I was on my own. Then we got Jim McMahon. Taken with the number five pick in the '82 draft, McMahon will not always McMahon will always hold a special place in Bears history. Not only for the fact <clears throat> that he led the Bears to their only Super Bowl title, but the way he did it with a certain swagger. McMahon was more than a good football player with a unique skill set. He was a QB with attitude. Yeah, no Bears quarterback in modern era comes close 
to matching McMahon's winning percentage. Yeah. But McMahon's unlucky injury history, he made double-digit starts only twice in seven seasons yeah. with the Bears. Yep. Left the team often relying on backups. Of course, McMahon went 11-0 as a starter in 85 as the Bears went on to win Super Bowl twenty. Yeah. McMahon fell out with Bears management in 88 and was traded to the Chargers ahead of the 89 season. Yep, I remember in that. 66 games and 61 starts. McMahon was 46 and 15 with 67 touchdowns, 56 interceptions, 11,203 yards, and an yeah. 80.4 passer rating. Well, I mean, Dick, you've seen Dick, obviously. Obviously, he, he talks about like he was the perfect fit for their team. Oh, yeah. He was the perfect kind of his identity and kind of the way he carried himself. Wasn't he great in college? He, oh, he had amazing collegiate numbers. He was a decent quarterback. He just. You know, he played it like a linebacker, so he just got hit a lot. You know, he ran a lot. He was not a pussy. So in that sense, he was very much respected by his teammates. So he was willing to take a hit and also try to dish one out. You know, plus I mean, he, he would stand up to Didka. No one stood up to him. He was just standing up to. Well, a he fucking- also stood up to the league. He got suspended for wearing he for wearing not like sponsored headbands. He was writing shit on his headbands. Well, he put Roselle on there because Roselle. Well, no, was he out. he put Roselle because of the bands. Yeah. At first, it was just because he was wearing headbands. Yep. And then he got fined for it. So he started writing Roselle on the headbands. <laughs> so, you know, he was willing to be kind of a dick in that regard, yeah. too. So, I mean, if you're, if you're willing to actually talk back to I remember to he guy, hated that the kid, that they, crowds would show up at practice. Like, I remember he said, he was like, you have 300 people showing up to watch us practice. He was like, I don't understand it. He goes, if I was a kid and my dad brought me here, I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, go out and do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I... I I tell you what, McMahon has actually grown on me. He's, I, I, cause I mean, dude, as a teenager, I hated the Chicago Bears. I hated them, and I because they were good too. Because they were great from '84 to '89, they averaged 12 wins a season. Yeah, that, that's six years of winning. '84, '85, '86, '87, '88, '89. They had six years. They averaged 12 wins a season in six straight years. That's a lot. Th- that year when th- when they won the Super Bowl, they were 14 and two in '86. They were 15 and one, and then 14 and two. They were 29 and three for two seasons. The Vikings got them in one of those games in '86. It was great. It was really satisfying. When they beat the Bears, I was really ecstatic. The Vikings were the only team that gave the Bears problems in the division back then, because the Buccaneers were in the division back then if you ever see old highlights of the bears in the 80s there's a lot of buccaneers oh yeah the creamsicles baby exactly exactly because they were in the division so it was the lions packers vikings bears and buccaneers all right so we got uh here let me you want your headphones down a little bit i I adjusted the mic a little bit great cool yeah Yeah. maybe up up just a little bit more that's cool yeah i can hear i can hear yeah all right good thank you we're good next (laughs) we got mike honesty oh i remember him he played for minnesota i don't remember this yeah all things considered, Honesy went uh, went out on top in his NFL career. He started two games for the Bears in 1987 and won both. These are, I think, this is oh, this, strike, this is the strike team, replacement yeah, yeah players. replacement players, yeah. He started two games for the Bears in 87. He had 343 yards in those two games, four touchdowns, one interception. Then he got hurt, uh, and then players came back. Mike Hohensey. Hohensey. I guess he became a big coach in the arena league. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, he was a quarterback for the University of Minnesota. You know, so. And then I have to scroll through because in between all of this, they put up Jordan stuff because the you can tell when it's Sunday because they'll post a bunch of Michael Jordan stuff and then you got to scroll through to the Bears quarterbacks. Yeah. 
Next, we got Steve Bradley. He's another replacement player. <sighs> yeah, I don't remember him. And Peyton, Jeff Fisher was a replacement player. They kind of do two and one in this because it's Steve no, Bradley and not. Sean That's Payton in one picture. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they both played. Uh, Bradley was unimpressive against the Saints, going six of 18 with 77 yards and three interceptions. What year was that? This is 87. Oh, yeah, that, that was a replacement game. Yeah. Those, those don't count. Next, we got Steve Fuller. Well, of course I remember Fuller. Fuller was the backup. Joined for, the Bears uh, in 84. Yep. Lost the fucking game against Miami in Monday Night Football. Well, I think because he was, yeah, because mm-hmm. I think. Uh, McMahon was hurt. Hurt, yep. Uh, so, yeah. Unfortunately for Fuller, one of those starts was December 2nd, 1985. Is That's another Bear. That's another Chicago accent thing. Is McMahon should have just played the game. He knew it was on the line. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give my soul and my right thumbnail to be in that situation. My dad don't mind that he's got internal bleeding. He's in the hospital. Oh, he's been traction. My dad has type two diabetes. <laughs> he can't feel his feet anymore, and he walked to the TV oh, and cried when that <laughs> happened. I believe my dad is dead <laughs> because of that. That's a good. That's a good Chicago accent. I grew up so, hearing that exactly. That's a, like, just really dumb logic, you know. Just like it's what you do. But no, no. Uh, yeah, it's it, actually my default mode of talking. Like if I'm truly being comfortable and I like let loose, it's yeah. like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you're you're trying to be more intellectual or something. As a like kid, that? I actively chose to not talk like a fucking buffoon. Yeah. <laughs> you know something? Hey, hey you know, Mike Hohensey. I remember him. He was a replacement player. <laughs> so Steve Fuller, he got a ring. He got a ring, I think, in '85. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he was an effective enough. No, he lost in the '84 uh, cha- uh, championship game against the Niners mm-hmm. because uh, McMahon was hurt. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Although they, they had actually beaten, they had actually beaten the Redskins, who had been in the Super Bowl the previous two years and won one two years before that. They beat the Redskins on the road. Peyton threw a touchdown pass in that playoff game. Peyton threw nine touchdown passes in his career. One of them was in the playoffs. Was against the Redskins because he was. I mean, he was a playmaker. Like we we know we have this guy. We can just do certain things. In eleven starts with the Bears, he was six and five, six touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, one thousand eight hundred twenty-three yards, and a seventy-two point four <sighs> pass rating. All this illustrates how little, how kind of little they passed back. Well, it's because it's also because you know you got they had like, they had Walter Payton too, also, and they but, had good. I mean, but in general, three hundred yards passing was oh, like was a, it a, it was incredible a, game. It, yeah, it, you. It was like this threshold had been passed. Like you if know? you can average 200, 250, like you're yeah. a good quarterback. Oh, absolutely. Like you, right. you start Pro Bowls and stuff. Next, we got Flutie. Oh, God. Flutie joined the Bears in that, the 1986 season after that, that, two that USFL stints. That was Dick's ego. That oh, was yeah. ego, man. Yeah, and then I didn't realize that he only played five games for the Bears. And then they started him in the playoffs against the Redskins. Yeah. Everyone was like, what? I guess they said like he, they basically did could lost the team with that decision. They were thinking it should have been the backup who had been on the team for like three or four years and kind of paid his dues. They were like, yeah, you got to give him a shot, you know? But they, they brought in Flutie. <laughs> so it should have been Harbaugh, right? Well, I think it was Tom Zack, actually. Okay, I yeah. At that time, I think. Yeah, I think it was in 86, maybe. I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but they thought it should have been the the, the, the backup. Um, <clears throat> Next up, Bob Avellini. <sighs> 
Avellini spent nearly a decade on the Bears after being drafted in the sixth round in 1975. Avellini spent only three seasons as the number one quarterback yep. and led the Bears to their first playoff appearance since the 1963 in NFL championship game. They got smoked. It's because they had Peyton, for Christ's sake. He ran for 1,800 yards in a 14-game season. Yeah, but go ahead. Um, 1852 he ran for that year. Yeah, his tenure with the Bears included spot starts as early as 75 and as late as 84. His wow. final season with the Bears. Uh, in his lone start in 1984, Avellini struggled when he was benched for Rusty Lish, <laughs> neither yep. of whom threw a touchdown in a 38-9 to loss to the Seahawks. Well, I mean, Aval- the first quarterback I remember, Keith, Is Bob was Avellini. Bob Avellini. That's who I remember. In, as 73 player, yeah. and fi- in 73 games and 50 starts, he was 23 and 27 with 33 touchdowns, 69 picks. Look at that. Look at that interception to touchdown and ratio. 7,111 yards passing with a 54.8 passer rating. Uh, after his career, Avellini was arrested several times for DUI and was sentenced in 2014 to 18 months in prison for his third DUI. Whoa. I also remember. I think he had like a real estate business for a while. And I think, but, but anyway, I tell you, with that, with that, that's what I wanted to get to because I, I, I'm sort of, I'm running out of steam. You right want to continue? Man. Okay. Yeah, we right, got so that's many okay. more, dude. Well, I know there's a ton of, but it's good. It's good conversation. All right, it's good topic. You know, to go in and, and I'm such a sports nerd that I remember the vast majority of them. That that's how much brain matter gray area I have put towards sports well that's what i was going back harbaugh is the beginning of me actively remembering sports banter because i remember people being upset that they that harbaugh left like (laughs) i i remember for me and my family at least the consensus was like oh he's finally he's finally getting a chance to start and act actually doing well yeah like why would you just let him go away yeah like who the fuck are you replacing him yeah yeah yep Exactly. No, yeah, I, I thought, well, Harbaugh, again, when they had that meltdown, the, their relationship was strained permanently. He and Ditka, although Ditka was actually let go, obviously, after the 92 season, but then Harbaugh, I think, was a starter for the first year yeah. of Wani, you know, and then I think he played another year with Wani in 94. The, oh, no, before he, the, at, the 94 season was his first season with the with Colts. The Colts, so he actually, he actually got released after that. Yeah, when he threw that pick against the Vikings. Because then his last year with the Colts was that abysmal 1-15 in 15 year. Oh, before was, they got Manning. Before they got Peyton. Yeah, but he actually, I think he started down there for like four seasons. Yeah. I mean, I think he was a relatively effective quarterback, you know, so. But on that, people. All right. On that note. We did it. We're going to st- we're gonna continue this we, next we week. We will. We will for sure. You know, be, be safe out there, okay? Be healthy. Take care of yourself, you know. All right. Hope you're See in a good you next space. week, guys. See you, everyone.